This morning we'll be in Psalm 119, picking up in verse 57 through 96. That's our, that's our target anyway. A couple of announcements. We'll go over some of the things that are coming up here at the fellowship. Um, the men's retreat's coming up. Today be a really good day, and then probably your last day to sign up for this and register. Um, we've got sheets out there you can grab. I, there's golfing, there's different things you can sign up for, or just show up and listen to the teachings. That's up to you, but there's lunches and dinners and things like that. So they kind of need to get a head count. So if you want to put your name uh, up there and, and, and uh, go ahead and register, that'd be great. Um, potluck June 11th, um, hot dogs and hamburgers, bring whatever you think goes with that. Chips, I think, potato chips, that's easy. And then uh, Brooke will be here July 8th at 6.30 p.m. for a night of worship. And kids camp. Um, deadline's coming up. I know we like to wait till the last day or three days after, but if you don't mind getting your kids signed up as soon as possible, that helps us get kind of prepared for that. So, But the deadline is what it is. We're going to let it go all the way to the deadline, but if you can sign them up, that would help us start getting prepared for that. All right. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. As JC prayed, we want to be open and ready for everything you have for us to change us from the inside out. Um, he was indicating that uh, it's life-changing, and it is. It's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. Um, it's, uh, it's you. Not, not one piece of it will, will, will vanish away. You've, you've fulfilled it all, but it, it is you in the sense. You're the word become flesh, Jesus. And um, and it's the tool that you use. It's the sword of the Spirit. And so, Lord, we, we do yield to you this morning in everything and in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Such a wonderful psalm about God's Word and um, the importance of it. And, and uh, as we go through these next few verses today, um, some of the um, points that come out um, really emphasize God's emphasis on the Word. Um, we know that you know Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, he, he says that he's the Word become flesh, and in some ways he's he's the Word become flesh because the world needed to see what it looked like, what the Word of God looks like in a person, and he lived it out and and walked it for us to see as an example of what it means to be a believer, or a follower of God, a, a child of God, and he did that. Um, but it also it goes the other way too because it says. That in, way back in Genesis, that the Lord spoke things into existence. It was by His Word that all things are created. And then later on, we discover that all things were created by Jesus. So not only does Jesus reflect the Word, but the Word reflects Him. And, and so when they said, you know, you, you're, you're to Him about the, the law and, and, and all, He says, not, not one of these, not a jot or a tittle, is the words He uses, will pass away from the law. That's, that's forever. It's permanent. And uh, some say, well, that's the spirit of the law, and that's the idea of the law. And it's like, no, that's why he said, and because he knew we'd have that kind of argument. That's why he says jot and tittle, is because those are punctuation marks. Those are, those are uh, pronunciation keys for us. He's talking about the written word. None of it will pass away. None of it's voided out. None of it can be left behind. Um, and he says all that because th- this... Jesus isn't in the box necessarily, but this does describe him. Um, the volume of the book is written of me, he says. And so as we go through this, the importance of God's word in our lives and the importance of scripture here uh, just cannot be overstated. 
here. Verse 57. You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. The writer here is reading in other parts of Scripture that he has in his hand that God's a merciful God. And that's a wonderful thing to know about the Old Testament God. There's often a a distinction that's tried to be made between the Old Testament God and the New Testament God as if there was some sort of uh, switch or change. And he he says, I change not. I'm the same. Even in the Old Testament, there there was a lot of blood. There was a lot of death. There was a lot of... uh, a lot of wrath and judgment. A lot of things came in the Old Testament. And it's hard to, to read and, and say, well, this just doesn't look like what I'm reading in the New Testament. Well, we, we have to understand that until Jesus came, there was no payment for the sin. There was no There were lambs and there were animal sacrifices. But when they didn't do that after, after generations of being in, in rebellion against God, he steps in until finally, when it came to Noah, I mean, that's our biggest event. When every thought of man was evil and corrupted, every single thought, he says, I don't know, I'm stepping in. And he saved Noah and the others. And that was it, but everybody else. And so it isn't that he's, um, it isn't that he's different. It's that there, if I didn't step in, I'd have lost Noah too, is the idea. I waited. I mean, a lot of us would say, well, you could have stepped in a little sooner maybe as far you know, well, I don't want wrath. I don't want God's judgment. I don't want to hear any of that stuff. Well, if he waits too long, nothing's left. We complain either way, you know. Um, God, I don't want to see that judgment. I don't want to talk about that judgment. Well, if I don't do something, then everything gets ruined. Oh, then then come quickly. Well, if I come too quickly, you know, then I haven't been patient, you know, you say. He reads about this mercy in the Old Testament, and he's asking God, according to your word, according to what I've read, according to what I understand about you, I'm, I'm placing my, myself at that, at that throne of mercy, and I want you to give me mercy, which means you can receive it. That's all God ever looked for in the Old Testament, was a broken and contrite heart. That's what I'm looking for, he says. I'm not looking to drop the hammer on anybody. I'm looking for someone that's sorry, that's repentant, that wants to change, that knows what they did was wrong, and they don't want to continue in that anymore. That's what I'm looking for. And I want to give mercy to that person. I'm waiting for that. And so he says what he needs to say and does what he's supposed to do here. What all of us are supposed to do. I entreat your favor with my whole heart, not partial, but my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. Verse 59, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste. I did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have bound me, but I've forgotten your law. I was wayward, basically. I'm, I'm sinning. I'm in sin. And, and as I turned to your word and I read your testimonies and I realized the difference between my path and your path, I just quickly changed. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't waste any time. I, there was haste, you know. I hurried to that other place. That's just a wonderful... When you first get saved, you, you don't realize how unsaved you were. That's just how it is. I believe on Jesus. I trust in my salvation. You know, yeah, he's, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. And, and, you, and you walk and you're excited and, and, that, and it's true. You're as saved as you're ever going to be. 
But as you read his word and as you spend more time with him and you, your eyes are opened now for the first time, uh, the way God sees things, you begin to see the difference between you and him. Your, your holiness versus his holiness is there's quite a gap. And as you read and you discover how far away you are, like, oh, that's not okay. The way I thought about that issue in this world is not okay. Or the, the way I'm conducting myself in this world is not okay. That you hasten over to where God wants you to be. Because I just want to be, I just want to be where I'm supposed to be. I had no idea I was in the wrong spot, you know. Never get in the wrong line someplace, you know. I hate that. Is this the line to pick up tickets that have already been purchased? Or is this the line to buy tickets? And I'll, never fails, I'll stand in the wrong line. I don't know how that happens, but I always stand in the wrong line. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's the line over there. I figured. I just figured. And even when I try to second guess myself and say, this is the line I want to be in, so it's got to be the wrong line, and I step up, it's still the wrong line. But I hasten. I, get, I, I don't want to waste any time. I hate that. This has nothing to do with the passage, but I think I have to say it anyway. Whenever I go to a house and I'm trying to flick on the light above the sink, I never hit the light switch. I always hit the disposal every single time. Now, I don't know what that has to do with the passage today, but I think it's important that we all unify under this and say, is it just me or why not put them on different sides of the sink or something? I hastily shut it off and flick the light on, and it's every single time. And that's a dumb analogy, but when I read something in God's Word and I and I can clearly see that I'm doing the wrong thing or thinking the wrong way about it, I don't want to hesitate. I just want to, I just want to change. I don't debate him. I don't, well, I don't know, God. Let's talk about this. Just the very fact that I had to say the word God in that statement should tell me everything we need to discuss, right? Why do you call me Lord? Well, I call you Lord because, well, I guess you are Lord. So you're probably right. You created everything. You made everything. You told us the truth. You've never lied to us before. I don't know why I think I'm lying to you now. Just hasten, you know, hasten. And he does. And he's just telling the Lord about it. Hey, when I read your word and I find out that my feet are not where, 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 where they're supposed to be, and we'll get to that later on. Psalm 119, 105 is really the, the verse. But when you find out where God's path is and where your feet are, and you quickly make an adjustment, and he does that. Verse 62, at midnight I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me your statutes. There's that word mercy again. There's mercy everywhere. In fact, that's the, it's funny that that's coming up. That's my section of the scripture that we'll be teaching it, that I'll be teaching at the men's conference is the mercy part, you know. And he's going to elaborate on that here in a few minutes. It's your tender mercies, you know. Not just mercy, but tender mercies. And this is a a big thing for him. It's very important to know that that God's not just always disappointed with him. You know, that there's a restoration, that there's a merciful moment where he sees the contrite heart and says, I don't need to do anything to get your attention or to change your course because I've simply spoken to you. And you've changed. I, I love that. If you didn't know, this is Anna's last Sunday here at our church. She served for, uh, well, probably 10 years now. 13 is probably when you started or something like that. And this is, she's going to be 
uh, married next Saturday, and she'll be here Wednesday and all, but we, we won't see her again until she visits and stuff. And she was always one of those kids that I, we hardly ever had, we never had to spank, did we ever have to spank you? No, you did, okay, well. <laughs> but rarely, you could, you could look at her funny, and she'd have a broken and contrite heart like Anna, you know. And mercy could be given immediately because there was no need to go any further. She knew, you know, she knew. Mm. <laughs> Shouldn't have brought that up. Very proud of the direction you're going, though. Wonderful, wonderful. Anyway. She was that kid. And we want to be God's kids like that. You know? Where he just has to look at us and say, J.D., I got it. I got it. Okay. The change. Do something about it. You know? That's wonderful. That's what God wants. That's what he's saying. I rely on your mercy. I read your word. found out I was going the wrong way. I changed course. You saw that, right? You know? Mercy. Teach me your statutes. I want to know more. You know? Verse 65, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgments and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. It's wonderful. One of the uh, quotes in the bottom of my Bible, I have a study Bible, and so one of the commentators here, uh, is Pastor Chuck, said that someone said, you only believe the parts of the Bible you do. That's convicting, isn't it? You only truly believe the parts of the Bible that you've applied to your life that you do. True, though. If you're not doing it, you obviously don't believe it enough. You know, you may agree with it, but you don't really believe it applies to you or whatever. He says, I believe your commandments. And I think that's very important. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But you must continue, he's speaking to this young pastor, Timothy, in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped in every good work. It's that important. God's Word. It's completely given by the inspiration of God. It's perfect. And, and there's no reason that we have to doubt it because it confirms itself, it explains itself, it interprets itself. It's proven by prophecy. It's got a stamp of his hand on it. 40 different authors, 66 different books over thousands of years, but a you can tell it's written by the same author. It's, the continuity is unbelievable between Genesis and Revelation. It's obvious. Written by man, but under, under the unction of the Holy Spirit. You can see why it's his sword. So teach me your good judgments and your knowledge, for I believe your commandments. I want to know what you know. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And the affliction he's talking about is God's affliction on his life. And he'll, he'll clarify that here in a minute in case you're wondering. It wasn't like I ran into a bad uh, spot or a bad patch in my life and I, and I quickly got with the Lord. He says, no, I could feel your hand on my life. And we can sometimes. I don't know 
If you have a testimony like that, but I do. I knew when God put his hand on my life. I know when he puts his hand on my life because he still does it. I can feel that. Before I was afflicted I, went afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. That's a pretty big step to take in a believer's life when they realize that God's wisdom is far more valuable than the rubies. Very few people can actually, we know, we know to say that. We know that's the right thing to say out loud in front of people. But when it comes to a moment where compromise may gain you financial gain, do you truly value the wisdom over the financial you gain you could have gained from not following God's precepts? Your life should reflect that. It shouldn't be just academic. It shouldn't just be head knowledge. It should be in practice in our lives. Very important. Anyway, I knew that, he says. I learned your statutes. He's just so appreciative. And I, as, you, as you go through this, you begin to understand he's heard, he's read, he's applied, and he's realizing, boy, every time I apply this, my life just gets better and better. So that's why he's saying, teach me more. I mean, the more I know, the head and shoulders above everybody else, it seems like. Not, not, in, not in stature, but in wisdom. I can just see things better. I clearly, I don't have the questions. I don't have the turmoil in my life as much as I used to without your word in my life. As I have God's word in my life, I begin to calm down. I begin to have more peace. I'm more stable. I'm able to see situations and stressful situations for everybody else. But for me, it's like, well, I know where we're headed here. I know God's word. And it calms him down. I want more and more and more, he says. One of the prayers that kids and I have moments, they're few and far between, but you have those moments where you get into a really deep conversation. We were outside, uh, on, we're trying to kind of get a little playground for the grandkids going, and the older kids play on it too. And we have these silks that hang from the trees that you can climb into like a hammock and spin and fly around and do all, you know, push each other around. Really fun stuff. And we're out there, and all of a sudden I find all four of us, it was Anna, Bo, Mariah, and myself, just stopped, and we're all sitting in our positions, and we're all of a sudden talking about the things in the universe, talking about God. You know, just comes about sometimes good, good stuff, you know, deep stuff. Like everybody's attentive and we're not in Sunday school because we have to. We're not in church because we're supposed to. We're talking about something that's and we start talking about these things. And one of the things that we came up with was we're going to start praying um, as we got. I want to know as much as I can handle because we're talking about if God was to show us everything that he knows right now, we wouldn't be able to handle it. We couldn't. You think about the prophet and his helper, and he's so concerned about the armies that have surrounded the city. And he says, the prophet says, open, open his eyes that he might see. And for a moment, for a split second, this kid, this helper gets his eyes open to see the Lord's army that had been hidden from view spiritually. We don't know what that means, other dimensional stuff kind of thing. But he opens his eyes to see it. And he says, not woe is us, but woe is them as I see God's army surrounding this thing. It's like, we can take some 
It, made, it probably just floored the guy. Now, we don't know why the prophet was able to handle it. Maybe he saw it all the time. Maybe he just knew by faith it was there. This is the conversation we're having on the silks, you know, out at the... And, and I said, well, let's just ask God to show us as much as he can and to stretch us a little bit more and more and more so we can get the capacity to understand and receive more and more from him. And that's what this guy's saying over and over again. I received your word. Eh, it's hard pill to swallow maybe, but I hastened over to change my life. It was really good. And I want to know more. And I want to know more. I want to be stretched. And I want you to do that to me, for me. Anyway, he's describing that. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness for, uh, be for my comfort, according to the word of your servant. Let your tender mercies come to me, that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they treated me wrongfully with falsehood. But I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me. Those who know your testimonies, let my heart be blameless regarding your statutes, that I may not be ashamed. He wants to be a blessing to other people. He knows how important it is for him to be surrounded by other believers. So he switches it. He says, and I know that if I'm a believer and a follower of God, it's a blessing for them. And that's important for us. We don't think about it that way a lot, but we know how wonderful it is to have a conversation with someone who's humble. We've talked about that, I think, before many times. A humble person is just easy to talk to. A, a gentle, kind, loving person who's humble. You talk to them all day long. You don't ever have to worry about them giving you the side eye or, or challenging you or whatever it is. You know, you just, you just can talk to them. And as, and as wonderful as that is for us, the writer here flips it and says, I want to be that for other people. What a blessing that is. I want the people that love your statutes to enjoy being around me too, because I'm following the ways of the Lord. You know, I don't want to be a thorn in their side. I don't want to be the one that they have to tiptoe around. They have to be careful what they say because they know that I'm not there yet, whatever that is. You know, I want to be that person. I want those who fear you to be able to turn to me. Those who know your testimonies, I want them to be able to turn to me, he says. Um, it's neat, very neat. Verse 81, my soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. Psalm 138.2, a couple weeks from now, if not a couple months from now, we'll get to that. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. He's not saying the Word of God is a part of the Trinity at all. He's not saying it's Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. We've talked about that. But he does make it a point to say you've magnified your Word above your name. In other words, there is no difference between God's Word and my name. You can't say that part of the Word of God is who God is. It's all me. It's synonymous. Well, I can't put God in this box. No, 
First of all, it's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's deep. It's, it's, it's deep, deep, deep. It, it may be Genesis to Revelation. Maybe those are the parameters that people are talking about. But as far as north and south go, as far as the depth and the height of God's Word, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's un, you can't reach the bottom and the top. You can study this your entire life and never understand all of it. It just continually teaches. So when he says, I've magnified my word above my name, he wants us to know how important it is to him. I want you to know, people, that the word of God that I've gave you is that important. I've magnified it above my name. So when he says, my soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word, he can. And that's a safe hope to put in his word. I read your word and I hope in it. It means I believe it and I rest my entire life and my existence upon it. It's important. In 1 Corinthians 4, 6, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. And that's exactly what takes place. Paul knew it. He knew it would come about. He says, I don't want you to think beyond what's written. Because what's written is complete and total and perfect. Not one jot, not one tittle will be removed from God's law. It is perfect as is. And when you begin to say that God is beyond this and that there's more to God than what's written, that's what happens. You get puffed up. You become alienated from his people. You become alienated from God. Because he says, I am in the word. I've magnified it above my name. It's that important. Don't think beyond what is written, Paul says, because that's going to puff you up against one another. And it does every time. Every time. I've got secret knowledge. (laughs) I told you this story before, but we were on our way down to a men's retreat down in uh, Sandy Adams Church, clear down there. And and on the way down there, uh, one of the guys... (laughs) He was going to be a pastor, a Calvary pastor, but he hadn't been affiliated yet, and he never got affiliated. It was probably a good thing. Um, but he, he, he says, well, have you ever read this book? It was an extra book of Scripture, you know, Book of Enoch, Book of something or other, some, some strange extracurricular text or whatever. He says, it's amazing. There's just such secret knowledge there. <laughs> and this, this guy that was riding with us in the back it's just quiet for the longest time because all of us are like, we all knew what to say, but it's like, I don't want to make the rest of the five-hour trip uncomfortable and argue with this guy. So we're just sitting there. And he goes, well, how about we find the guy that's been keeping a secret this long and beat him up? And I was like this, give me five, brother. That was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> There's no secret knowledge. What a creepy thing to do. I'm going to give you guys everything, but Bob, I'm going to give extra stuff. You know, don't tell anybody, Bob. I won't, God being you. You guys are all, and that's what happens. Puffs you up and elevates you above everybody else because I know more. I'm not telling you, but I know more. Funny. I got a kick out of that guy in the back seat. That was, (laughs) and the guy was like, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, it really corrected the guy. He really came around. He's like, yeah, I suppose that's true. I thought, what a funny way to put it. And uh, sharp, sharp guy. Anyway, verse 82. My eyes fail from searching your word, saying, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in smoke, 
Yet I do not forget your statutes. I don't know what that means, so if you're going to ask me, and if you do figure it out, great, but I don't know what a wineskin and smoke means at all. I suppose, uh, you know, I put it all together. I suppose a wineskin and smoke probably gets hard and crusty. I suppose maybe like sitting on a fire, your eyes get kind of, they get sore because he's talking about his eyes, but I don't know what that idiom means. So, um, but we get the gist. I've been waiting and searching your scriptures for comfort because I'm feeling persecuted right now and I don't know what to do about it. I'm waiting for you to respond or show me something in your word or something. Please don't forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant? How long am I going to live? When are they going to kill me? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? The proud have dug pits for me, which is not according to your law. All your commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help me. That's a very genuine prayer. As much as I love your word and as much as I'm in it and I change my course and I'm doing better, I'm just really feeling like they're out to get me. I don't know how long it took him to write all this. Maybe this is over an entire lifetime that he wrote Psalm 119. Who knows? Maybe adding a verse to it every season in his life. Who knows? But at this time, he's feeling persecuted. He's asking God, would you do something? Would you step in? They almost made an end of me on the earth. They almost killed me. But I did not forsake your precepts. He's excited about that. I think we're all excited about it when we pass the test, you know. When we say the right thing, when we do the right thing. Sometimes we get those forks in the road in our lives and we, and, we, and we make the right turn for once. And we don't do the wrong thing and have to repent and backtrack and get on the right track. It's, it's nice. And he's excited about that. They were about killed me, but I did not forsake your precepts. I didn't walk away from you. Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep your testimony, the testimony of your mouth. I do want to keep that. So let me live a little bit longer so I can still walk in your ways. I like that. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's complete. Settled means it's complete. It's done. It's perfect. In Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And he knows that. Your word is settled in heaven. There is no changing. Verse 90. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. In other words, it's the same, for whether that's Adam and Eve all the way up to um, J.D. and Jenny. You know, the, your, your faithfulness endures to all generations. You keep your word. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Now, in John chapter 5, verses 38 through 40, But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Now, what he's getting at there is you can't have one without the other. The, the, the testimonies, the scriptures speak of the Lord. And if you reject the Lord, then you've rejected the text. And likewise, you can't just have the Lord without the text because they speak of me, he says. 
So to accept me is to accept that. So in other words, you can't make Jesus out who you want him to be. He is who he says he is in God's word. Nor can you just have God's word and reject the Messiah because they speak of the person, Jesus Christ. They're inseparable. And that's how we started the teaching today was it's amazing how the word, everything was created by the word in Genesis. And then later on he discovers that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's Jesus. It's, it's interchangeable. It's inseparable. Okay. And then in Acts 17.11, speaking of the uh, um, I can't think of their name, Bereans, sorry. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, the Bereans were, this new group of people, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. The scriptures. He understood that they were True. They understood that that's, that's where they were going to find out. That's what they would use to test what Paul taught about this Messiah Jesus. What they say about Jesus, is it in the text? They understood that this Messiah would not come outside of the text, but within it. He was going to fulfill it. And they knew that. And we'll close here with 94, 95, and 96. I am yours. Save me. For I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. The word is perfect, and it's not a box. It's very broad. It covers everything and all. And that's where we close today. We'll pick up 97 next week. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this uh, lifetime work of achievement here as this writer here just continually worships you and and, and from from the beginning of his relationship to the end he documents it and and is always in love with you and always uh, in contact with you and in prayer with you and and and, and reading your scriptures and loving your scriptures and growing well that's that's all we want we want to continue to walk with you, to love you, to, to learn of you, to, to be a student and you be the teacher, to submit ourselves to that place, sitting at, uh, in the place of a learner, uh, someone who can receive from you. I pray that you would. This morning we've learned how important your word is, that there, it isn't something that we can take lightly. It isn't something that we can um, move from or grow beyond. Um, it's, it's eternal. It's perfect. And we thank you for that, God. Thank you for preserving your word and letting us read it this morning. What a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good week. Enjoy your day tomorrow.